Vix the Convince. Welcome to the Vix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, NewSpark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hey out there, welcome to another podcast. It's Paul Mosenson. Fix the Convince, marketing optimization. So we have a really interesting guest today. I hope most of you firms out there, if you're B2B and maybe some B2C, have marketing automation platforms. They've been around for quite a while. Hopefully you're using them right, but many companies may not. And so we're going to talk about marketing automation platforms today in general and how to get the most out of them to optimize your revenue and profits. And today we have a guest. Her name is Roan Morgan. Good morning, Roan. Hi. So happy to be joining you today, Paul. Yeah, thanks for being here and talking marketing automation and revenue. A little background on her. She is a leading authority on marketing-led customer experience and one of the first wave of marketing leaders to recognize the potential of marketing automation. She is the co-founder and CEO of Demand Lab, an agency she launched in 2009 in response to the disruptive impact of technology and marketing that specializes in delivering technology-assisted strategy and campaign execution to her clients. Roan is also the co-author of Change Agents, The Radical Role of Tomorrow's CMO, and host of another podcast called Revenue Rebels, and she's a true innovator in her field. Yes, she is. <laughs> You are. Thank so let's you get sure, sure. Well, let's get right down to it. For a probably working B2B marketing engine, how important is data modeling and how best to utilize customer data to drive prospects into qualified leads and sales? Uh, yeah, so, you know, um, the way that we look at it is that data is uh, the sort of foundation to everything that we're doing, right? Leveraging technology um, and a proper data model is critical to success. Um, data is what fuels your, your marketing and sales platforms. And um, so you really need to get it right. And one of the first things that we need to consider is what, what data is needed? How should it be organized to support your business goals? Um, you know, if you model out your data before building, the way that we look at this is that it's like drawing your plans before you start building your house, right? Um, it's the architect's plans. Um, you would never start building a house before uh, knowing where you're heading. And so um, the data model creates the visual representation of what will eventually become your physical database, right? Um, and so I think sometimes that's really early days in terms of um, building out a database, modeling it out. Um, but that does really ensure and provide, I think, a a security that a company is going to have a system that can help them enforce business rules, um, regulatory compliance. There's a ton of compliance issues out there right now. And I say issues, but <laughs> yeah, it's a lot really. of stuff we've got to follow, um, sure. especially if you're international. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are a lot of other policies that, that companies need to think about around data um, and, and, you know, data plays in a lot of different um, domains within a company, but I'm talking really around marketing and sales, right? So um, 
in terms of marketing and sales, it also really ensures a consistency in things like naming conventions, default values, um, security, I suppose, which I think is pretty important these days, and also the quality of the data. Um, and the quality is uh, fundamental really to success. And so starting with a model, moving that into your physical database can really support um, all of these things, right? And, you know, it's um, important for anybody who's managing the data of an organization, again, in the context of marketing and sales, which can sometimes get undervalued, maybe overlooked. I think um, it feels that way anyway, especially when we're, uh, when we know how, um, how much use you can get out of your data, especially these days, right? So um, I think that's probably because it's not an easy work. And so unfortunately, it's overlooked or we've seen it done incompletely. And maybe that's because people are rushing. They really just want to get to the market. Um, but anyhow, a, a great data model is, you know, provides that really excellent physical database. Let me ask you this spontaneous question now. My first question was about data. And since we're talking marketing automation, what is the relationship there? And, and how does that be managed data and basically mm -hmm. nurturing and segmenting things like that? Yeah. So, um, like I, as I said earlier, data is the foundation to everything. Um, meaning that, your platforms, your marketing automation, which should be integrated with probably a number of other tools, um, will only run well if you have your data set up well. If you have it structured properly, then you're able to pull out um, great analytics to inform growth, um, to inform your marketing investments, um, to provide insights to salespeople right? It also will power um, your customer experience. Uh, you, you really need um, as much data as you can collect um, and organize well as you can so that you can provide the personalization, um, power artificial intelligence, power um, uh, communications that are meaningful. Um, you know, I think that that's where you're able to drive more prospects into the sales cycle as well, you know, with this, this sort of data. Right, right. Well, it, it's interesting because you, know, you think about content and email marketing and things like that, but it's all triggered based on data and modeling and mm -hmm. sending the right message to the right audience segment based on what you see and, and you know, whether it's job title or buying processes and so many other factors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, I think we've been saying this from the very beginning, you know, right message, um, right person, right time. That's that hasn't changed in, ten, in the 10 years that I've been working uh, in the, in this space. Um, and uh, certainly I think that's how Marketo pitched it to me when we were one of their early customers. <laughs> so, um, but you know, I think that, um, for, for us and what we've seen in terms of a changing uh, mindset out there is that it's really around 
all right, early days, how can marketing do more and be great and do exciting things and engage uh, the, their audience? And now it's how can marketing impact revenue, period. You know, I mean, that's, you have to do all of these. That, that first stage now is just table stakes. You've got to be doing that. But now it's about impacting revenue, um, driving more prospects into the sales cycle, um, and using the systems and the supporting data to, um, to help impact uh, revenue. And then also to prove your impact on the revenue, right? Right, right. Well, <laughs> that's all, that's the bottom line, right? Is ROI and um, mm -hmm. managing the process in order to prove what content works with what data sets mm -hmm. in order to optimize your total campaigns for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, Marketo, of course, and um, you've been a partner for many years. It's always been one of the robust platforms. But if, if you're a company and you don't have marketing automation yet, which is shocking, or maybe you're looking to switch your system and make it more robust, how does one evaluate a marketing automation platform other than costs? Yes. Um, yeah. Demand Lab has been working with Marketo uh, for over 10 years now. Uh, so, you know, we know the space. We've kicked the tires of a lot of other marketing automation platforms. Um, we've seen uh, a lot happen over the last decade. Uh, and there are a lot of systems out there now on the market um, that, you know, range from simple to very highly complex. And I think that a business really needs to start with the end in mind. So what exactly, let's say you're um, looking to bring on a system. Uh, what exactly do you want to accomplish in the next 12 months, two years, five years? And I think another important consideration is, is your, your business goals in terms of, are you looking to to get acquired? Are you looking to get funding? Are you looking to grow on your own? Uh, will you grow through acquiring other companies? So there's quite a lot to think about just at that level, not what do I want to do in marketing even yet, but what's their ultimate goal? What's the good? And then, and then from there, what's the go-to-market strategy? So your product, your price, um, your marketing strategy, how will you sell? Uh, you know, what's the sales strategy and expectations? You know, for example, your sales cycle, is it short and transactional? Is it long and more considered? Um, how are you going to roll out in the marketplace? And then also, what, what will your team look like? Um, so there's, that's, you know, that's just from a business perspective. Uh, how big will your marketing team be? Are you going to have, do you have one person? Do you have uh, 50 people? How are they structured? So there, there's quite a lot that kind of can go into that and it can get a little bit, um, to me, very interesting stuff to talk about. Um, and then, you know, uh, from there, of course, once you do have those things answered, you want to be able to make sure that your system aligns with um, your needs. So it can be a pretty big uh, spreadsheet or, or um, evaluation sort of process to make sure that the system you're bringing in not only will answer the needs that you're going to have immediately in the next 12 months, let's say, but also in two years and five years from now, because 
you don't want to necessarily have to make a change. Um, you want to make sure you get something, you put something in place that can scale with you. Um, so with that in mind, if you're looking to change, um, then, you know, you can definitely consider all of what I just said, but also think about what's working in your system right now and what's not working. We've had a number of clients that say, mm -hmm. oh, we're, we've got X and we want to move to Y. And so we help them with an evaluation that looks at uh, what do they have in place currently and what are they using, what's working for them, what's valuable for their business, and um, what else do they need. And then when they're looking to switch, well, where is their parity between the systems? What are they going to lose and what are they going to gain? Um, and then also be really clear about uh, the cost of switching. You know, I think that um, when you're looking to make a change, uh, the cost can be pretty high without, and I think sometimes people don't realize that, that it can, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really take um, resources and time to make that switch. And you could lose quite a lot in terms of historical data. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right there. I mean, training and CRM integrations and all those kinds of um, elements have to be considered. And is it really worth changing at all um, versus doing what you have? I mean, you really, I guess, have to have a really compelling reason to change or upgrade that kind of thing and, and to look mm -hmm. at all those features. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of other tools out there, and I know you're a little biased, of course, but, um, you know, we, we, th we always think of basically email nurturing and email lead nurturing, you know, was the big thing, and which is still the most robust way to use marketing automation and lead scoring for sales, things like that. Are there any other key features uh, we should be looking for or what marketing automation does versus general email programs? Yeah, you know, um, from my perspective, uh, I think that the big difference between like an email system and a marketing automation platform is, um, and by the way, I think there are a lot of e what, what might have been considered email systems, right? Purely just uh, really about sending emails. They've evolved quite a lot over the last several years. And so some of them are offering more and more types of automation, more and more features that are competitive with Marketo. So while I might be biased, I could, I have also had conversations with companies who've looked to us and I've said, um, I don't know that your company will need something huge. You guys could probably, you know, uh, exist and be very successful with something really simple, like, uh, uh, you know, and uh, something that's, that's more, um, uh, email oriented it really just depends again, back to business goals. But in terms of the differences, I, I would really say, um, the lead management functionality that they're providing. So yes, nurture is important. Well, um, how much segmentation do you need? How do you want to or need to or plan to segment your audience in order to um, differentiate your messaging, right? Um, how, 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 what do you have uh, within this platform that you're looking at that provides you the ability to slice your data? Um, 
what are the, the types of and number of integrations that are available with other marketing and sales tools? Um, I think that's an important uh, thing to consider and take a look at when you're looking at a system and, and probably a, a differentiator. Um, and then the other thing is, is how can the data be extracted? Um, you know, how can it be then provided to executives um, as well as uh, those people in the trenches every day who need information back almost real time so that they can make decisions on their marketing programs um, and ensure that their investments are, um, you know, that they're investing in the right in the right sort of programs and channels and that sort of thing. So, you know, I mean, for me, yes, nurture, absolutely. But then um, how does that bubble up into an entire customer experience with personalization, um, moving between channels? How can you pull information from channel to channel to channel back into your sort of core um, database and inform everything that you're doing as a business? Uh, um, that's, I think, a, 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 a very big difference between these systems. And it's a matter of how your business is going to use them. No, I agree. I agree. Now, I've used uh, Pardot a lot because it you know, has that best, probably the ideal Salesforce integration, although um, I guess because they own each other. But um, we talk about lead scoring for a minute because that seems to be, in my experience with that, you know, there's not a, an ideal best practice model. I can tell you one thing, just for example here, is I had a client that um, they weren't, we had a high lead score threshold and they were, the salespeople weren't getting enough leads. So we just said, okay, well, let's, re let's reduce it before it goes to Salesforce, just so the salespeople can uh, engage with more prospects. So that's the kind of thing when you do content and you generate inquiries, they're not necessarily qualified leads yet. And so usually the data, like mm -hmm. you said, and, and the content and engagement and who they are all go into lead scoring. But um, uh, how do you evaluate lead scoring modeling and determining when sales should follow up in your experience? That's a great question. And you know, I think there are really, um, uh, two main starting points, uh, which is uh, your sales team and your data, <laughs> the people and the data, um, you know, always talk to your sales uh, team, educate them on why scoring is important um, and how it will uh, help them achieve their goals. So really getting their buy-in and, and getting those, your, your partners in sales um, to participate in the process. Because I think what can happen is that you do have um, sales models, they, or I'm sorry, scoring models, they get deployed, but you know, we don't know sometimes how rigorously they've been tested. What are they based on? Are they based on gut feeling? Are they based on data? Are they based on the interviews with sales? Right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, all of that. And so, you know, um, go back to the data as well. Review your wins and your losses and use that data to inform your scoring program. You know, for example, you can identify um, the leading and lagging ind indicators of um, the closed one deals, right? And um, you can also then pull in the knowledge that's shared by your salespeople. These are the people on the front lines every single day talking to people. And there's a lot of nuance that does not get collected into data. So having those conversations really enables you to pull that in. And I think that's, that's critical. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so, you know, uh, once you sort of combine these, uh, these two great sources of information, you should be able to get a scoring program that helps bring more leads that are ready to talk to sales um, uh, and, and get them to them faster even. Um, you know, I think that uh, you could also look at a commonality in those lost deals um, and you can provide insights on what to look for um, when you're managing a sales cycle. You know, maybe who, who don't you want to talk to? I think a, a good example of this actually is a client of ours who we're working with, they uncovered that they won a majority, a vast majority of opportunities that included the executive level uh, uh, team members, right? VP or, uh, or, or above. And um, when they had the executive in the conversation, they were winning a majority of leads. But they also found out that they actually lost uh, like, like 80% of the deals that did not include an executive level involvement. So having gone through that analysis, um, we knew that we could accelerate uh, conversations um, and maybe even the sales cycle when we had an executive that was involved early on. Um, and, you know, also that sales needed to get the executive in the conversation early. And so that was one of their goals and sort of markers in terms of moving an opportunity forward. Um, and, and so that would also help them to sort of turn that opportunity profile, if you will, from losing into winning. Um, and, and they could also make a decision on how far that they wanted to go um, without before sort of how far they wanted to move a, a sales conversation without getting the right people involved. Um, and just quickly, one of the things that I think is really exciting about this process is that um, when you're using a data-driven process, and sometimes even just going back to the nuances, the nuances that salespeople bring into the conversations can sometimes be converted into data points that you can then bring into your CRM system that helps you identify um, whether or not somebody is ready to move into the next stage or a decision or, you know, whatever. So mm -hmm. I think there's a lot, a lot that you can get there, but what's very cool is that you can bring those data points into the system and it really helps a salesperson. It makes their life so much easier um, when you've got sort of not only the score, but also sort of the ideal client profile, um, and a lot of other, not just score, but buying triggers and profile information that can all be um, captured inside of a, a CRM when it's set up well. True, and that makes conversations a lot more robust and more compelling when you're doing the follow-up calls and doing a sales presentation or whatever it is. At least you have a, a full picture of who your prospect is. And, and Absolutely. It's, it's a lot more meaningful conversation for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, I've always, I always feel bad for the salespeople that call me up that clearly don't have any insights into who I am <laughs> because, and I'm, I'm really nice to them because I know it's not their fault, right? Necessarily. Um, their system just hasn't been set up yet to, to empower them as much as it could be. Right. I actually noticed that and, and you started thinking about this and this is more of a sidebar, but you know, when uh, if I'm a prospect, I may not be a prospect, but if I see a white paper that I like from an ad or whatever, and I download it, I always, even though I filled out the form with information, I always get a follow-up email from Inside Sales with three questions just to qualify you. 
right? Because then, you know, I might ask, answer questions. I'm just researching it. So then obviously it's, um, that's a little different scenario than I might be looking to buy in six months, right? Mm, so that, yeah. I guess that's an example of a, a qualification process for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an interesting one because, um, you know, uh, you don't see a lot anymore of forms that are saying, when are you looking to buy, you know, that forms with a lot of qualification criteria. And I think that's because systems, marketing automation systems are getting smarter and smarter um, and starting to incorporate um, AI and, you know, really pulling on the data to help um, help people become identified as mm, maybe more ready to close prospects um, better than ever before. I, you know, I, the technology is just getting better and better. Mm-hmm. It is. So in summary, why do you think companies fail at managing and measuring marketing properly? And what should they be looking for to gauge the success of campaigns over the long haul? Um, that is a huge question. We could spend the next hour and a half talking about that for sure. <laughs> okay, well. You know, <laughs> but I don't think your podcast is going to be that long, which I, I, will, uh, I will certainly respect. No worries. Highlights. You know, <laughs> <yeah>. Highlights. <laughs> I think the big that, picture. Exactly, exactly. You know, kind of going back to the original question, um, and, and it's, we do talk about this a lot, uh, and we care about it a lot, um, is, you know, the data. So why aren't they measuring marketing properly or managing marketing properly? Um, well, you've got to know it, it, it's it is, <laughs> it's, it's not easy. And even getting the system and the data set up properly, that's not easy. It's not, it's not rocket science, but you know, it's also not, not as, as simple as people might like to imagine. Um, you know, you have to get the systems and the data set up properly. That's what will ensure accurate and timely and insightful reporting. Um, and that's how you can manage then your marketing programs, right? So that reporting, it's a, it's a positive feedback loop. You've got the right reporting. You can then, you know, um, uh, update what you're doing in marketing, make some shifts, um, pivot here and there, if you will. And, uh, you know, so, but I think the thing that's really important about that, though, is that you've got to have the leadership buy-in to invest in this um, with the right resources and planning. And, you know, I pretty openly talk about this, um, that we have unfortunately seen systems that are deployed too quickly um, in a way that's not very sophisticated. And sometimes I wonder if it's just that they're moving too quickly. They want to get to get to market. They want to start um, emailing. And I don't blame anybody who wants to get to market quickly, you know, for sure. Um, but maybe find ways of phasing into this so that you can do it quickly, but also um, smartly, if, if I can use the word smartly here, you know. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> don't overlook setting up the right foundation that enables you to then measure um, and uh, improve and then, you know, um, uh, deploy uh, better programs, right, um, and, and initiatives and that sort of thing. And so then you're looking at um, how to gauge the success of a campaign over the long haul. Um, 
campaign success, you know, which initiatives are achieving the best uh, or, you know, most desired outcomes, it should be pretty well set for you um, with a well set up system. You do the math, right? It's uh, what are you investing in a new customer? Um, your system should be able to provide you that information. Um, if, if your platform enables you to input uh, the investment per program, uh, what's the lifetime value of a customer? Um, you can track this in your CRM, your marketing automation platform, BI tools, whatever, uh, but you've got to track it. Um, the best processes will give you real-time data and help you um, sort of inform those business decisions. So, uh, you know, um, just to answer this question at that sort of highest level is I think that sometimes companies don't do as well. I don't know that they're failing, right? I mean, there are some fails that we see out there, but mm -hmm. I think mostly it's just they don't do as well. It's not optimized. They're not getting as much as they can um, out of a system. And, and that's because um, they need to select the right system in the first place, make sure it's aligned with their go-to-market strategy and their business goals. Um, and then they need to invest in making sure it's set up really well to support your 12-month, two-year, five-year goals. Um, and you know what? Also, the system has to be flexible because your goals are likely going to change. Um, as a business, uh, I've, had, I've had this business for 10 years. We, our goals have changed over time. They should be. You need to be able to react to the market. So also having a system that enables you um, not to have to work inside of their box and their, that system's way of doing things, but gives you the flexibility to expand what you're doing and um, do things differently, do thing, do more of whatever you're doing um, mm -hmm. so that you can be successful and not kind of get stuck in how a system thinks you should be doing marketing and sales, but enables you to do marketing and sales the way that works best for your business. Gotcha. I'm going to ask you one more question. Let's, because part of the whole deal is building content, offers, white papers, webinars as part of the nurture process, right? and targeting those with different segments. So in theory, if I said to you, how did white paper A work versus white paper B, as far as were they read, did those people become sales opportunities? I mean, you could do that with marketing automation and really track content performance. And as, as you start analyzing the ROI of your messaging and your offers, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do, do you want me to respond to that or is there more sure. question coming? I'm no, that's sure. it. Sure. Just in general. Just uh, yeah. 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 Well, I think that's critical. And, um, you know, in fact, ages ago, I remember when I started and we were working with Marketo, um, there was, there's a, a particular setup in Marketo, which is uh, to track channels. And one of the channels, which was sort of out of the box in that system, and again, you know, this was nine years ago, 10 years ago, was called content. And I said to everybody mm -hmm. that I could, content is not a channel. Content is what you send over a channel, through your channels, 
to communicate with people, to engage people. So, of course. Um, <laughs> exactly. But it was, it, to me, when I saw that setup, I just thought we can't, we have to find a better way of ensuring that we're, we're measuring our channels and we're also able to measure the effectiveness of the content and even go, be, go beneath just the content to the effectiveness of the type of content that's most interesting to your audience the themes within that content, which is most interesting to your audience. How is it segmented by the personas you're trying to engage? Um, and so it's absolutely possible. Uh, and it really just depends on how you're setting up your system, but um, it's gotta be done because otherwise you might be creating white papers that are not interesting and are not engaging, but everybody wants to watch your webinars and you wouldn't have any idea. Yeah, well, that's the point, right? Because you come up with a content plan, you know, based on your personas and data and, and other factors to say this makes sense to our audiences and we build it, we pay for it. And then at the end of the day, you want to measure it and see, was it engaging enough and did it open up enough eyes to mm -hmm. um, bring these inquiries or marketing qualified leads to sales opportunities and things like that so that's all part of the measurement it's minutiae but it's important because it is at the end of the day it's still about roi and effectiveness exactly and uh and yeah. getting higher close rates mm -hmm. absolutely yes yeah yeah we're really passionate about that I, I love that you asked that last question i think it's great good thank you um, but anyway well i mean people always ask that anyway the roi of content right you it's, like you said, it's not a channel, it's an offer. It could be anything, trials, demos. That's usually bottom funnel offers, but yeah. testing is critical, testing. Yeah. yeah. But this is a good conversation and, you know, yeah, we could speak for hours, but, um, but I know we have other things to do. So, but I wanted to thank you for joining me today. And uh, it was insightful and just things to think about, you know, the big picture about marketing automation and optimizing the campaigns and your data and marrying it all together to build you know to optimize your roi and convince people to that you're trustworthy which is really important mm -hmm. and and that you have helpful content that engages people so that eventually they become real sales opportunities, because that's the whole idea is, from the beginning is shortening sales cycles. And mm -hmm. if your messaging and your process is optimized, that will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I, I uh, um, am really glad to have been able to join today and I appreciate the invitation and uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, great. All right, until then, there'll be another podcast soon and Thanks very much. This, this is Paul Mosenson. My guest was Rowan Morgan, and she's from demandlab.com. And check it out. Thanks, everyone. Fix to convince. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince.